<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Hey guys, this is John McLaughlin. And this is Dave Barnes. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. On this episode, we talk to our dear friend, Drew Holcomb. Drew is an artist that lives here in Nashville and uh, is one of the coolest, wisest, hardest working, without a doubt, Definitely people I know. And just looks great in a hat. Yes. Amen. He's married to Ellie. We talk about that. Holcomb, if you guys know her music, she's amazing. And they have an awesome family that if you follow on Instagram, I guarantee you, you're struggling with jealousy. <laughs> uh, but it's it was great. We had a really great chat. Drew was really honest and open about his life and experiences and his family. Had some great old like show stories. Yeah. He's not old. The well, shows... it just depends on how old you are. <laughs> My children think he's old, you know. And that's not a slam. That's <laughs> no, just it's from true. their perspective. Amen. So, that said, hope you guys enjoy your time here in Dadville. So, here we are. We're, it's Dadville. It's John and Dave. We're here. Welcome to Dadville, everyone. Uh, we have got our first resident. <laughs> our first, our first uh, new visitor. And I kind of want to, I'm going to brag on this uh, gentleman for a while. There's a lot of things to read here. Um, <laughs> I didn't send any of this no, just you for didn't, the record. You didn't. Okay. You didn't. So um, this is truly, like, this is really impressive. So 140,000 records sold, uh, 2,000 shows, which uh, amongst these shows sold out the Ryman, Granada, Orpheum, Georgia Theater, played with Willie Nelson, Don Henley, John Prine. Massive, massive song placements. One of my favorites is the NBA Forever opening day thing that y'all had uh, – Live Forever, which was incredible. 
This quote, I'm so jealous of. Some of the finest songwriting to come out of East Nashville of the last 10 years. That's from No Depression. Uh, not only has he done these things, but he started uh, both the Magnolia Record Club, which I've been a part of. I'm kind of glad. Yeah, to yeah. <laughs> Carry on. And also the Moon River Festival, which to me is amazing. Amazing, amazing. That's that. And I immediately get sweaty and overwhelmed. Uh, but <laughs> one of the coolest things about this that I forgot about is is the charitable part of that. That you guys are raising money twenty thousand dollars for St. Jude and the Songbird Foundation, which is so cool. And I got to play that. Um, a couple of years ago in Memphis, and it was so much fun. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's also, also, it makes me sweat. And I'm anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I, saw, <laughs> I saw your upper lip beneath the beard. Um, and then um, finally, and maybe most importantly, an Eagle Scout. <laughs> 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 um, but welcome to Dadville, Mr. Drew Holcomb. Drew Thanks, Holcomb. Man. The one and only. So we're going to start at the beginning, Drew. We're just going to start way back. <laughs> Let's take it all the be- way back. Be- before we start, though, can I just say that you are, and you're not wearing a hat right now, which I'm a little sad about, but you are one of the great hat wearers. That's true. Well, thank you. I mean, it is it is sort of a necessity. Um, I'm also one of the one of the bald artists. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I would say bold. Look, <laughs> bold, balding <laughs> at, at at best, balding. Balding. And so, but what I've noticed um, as I've gotten older is about five years ago when it was really sort of getting to. A, uh, a crossroads uh, for me on stage is that I'd see these photos from from people in in the audience, and I'm like, wow, the lights on stage like they triple the baldness. They are oh, assassins. My. Yeah, they're assassins. They, are, they go they straight <laughs> straight to the core. Assassins. It's like, hey, do you have skin under that hair? Because we're gonna show <laughs> we it to everybody. Find it. And let me tell you, brother, if you sweat at all and oh, that hair glisten. begins to we are gonna yeah. find i mean yeah. you two guys don't know what you're talking about because you both have beautiful man mains <laughs> um, man no, look mains. I'm, I'm at the point where i have it has to be going at okay. an angle see yeah I mean, I, it can't be like spiky or whatever I'll trade though if you, you want to trade <laughs> yeah all right well my wife who who much like you is a truth teller drew i mean she's not gonna pull punches last year i leaned over to grab something and she goes whoa and I was like, oh, I no. mean, I immediately, I was like, what? She's like, oh, that's no, oh, nothing, nothing. I was like, what? She goes, oh, no, you know, you're just getting a little, little, I mean, it's, you're not, but it's getting a little thin on top. I was like, wait, what? And you, for really the last year and a half, I am now show pictures. I'm like, oh God, like did somebody, is there a up top shot where somebody, I was yeah. leaning over to get a pick and it's like, hey, look at me, I'm thinning <laughs> on top. And I can't, it's become a thing to me. I remember the moment that I realized it was happening to me. I was uh, home for Christmas my junior year of college. So I was I was still very young. I was 20. And I was taking a shower, and I was washing my hair, and uh, I looked at my hands, and there were like seven hairs, long hairs on my hands. And then there, I looked down at the, the, my, the tile of my shower growing up. is white. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of that going on down there. And I went downstairs, <laughs> and I was like, hey, guys, is this a thing? My sister's like, yeah, we hadn't really wanted to tell you. No. I was oh like, my God. oh, oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> got to find okay. the woman. Oh, we got to wrap this <laughs> up quick. L.A. We got to wrap this up quick. Yeah. All right. So let's let's start with some background. Yep. Probably everyone listening knows who you are, but let's let's just quickly go over some background. So where are you from? Memphis, Tennessee. Childhood. What were you like as a kid? Pre- 
uh, losing your hair. Back when, when <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in a um, in a very large extended family. I grew up down the street from my grandparents. Uh, I'm one of four siblings. There's 28 grandkids on Good my oh my gracious. on my mom's side and, and um, on your mom's side on my mom's side and another uh, another eight on my dad's side. And um, everyone was there uh, in Memphis. No, no. So the, that was what I was going to say. So every, uh, every all but four of those grandkids. We're uh, either in Memphis or Jackson, Tennessee, which is only 80 miles away. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, some of them, I was, I'm the dead, I'm number 14, so the dead center grandchild. Oh, wow. So, okay. uh, some of them were already so 14 up, up older and grown. than you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, as old as how old? Uh, let's see, um, 51 now. So, okay. uh, 15 okay. years older than me. Okay. 60. No, no. Sorry, he's 50, 55. Yeah, that's right. My, the oldest is 55. So, there were, there were some that were sort of out of the picture, but there were four, um, Four of us that were the same, four guys born the same year from each, each of oh, the families. Wow. So grew up in this very sort of boisterous world of uh, family and, uh, <laughs> yes, that's right, literally. Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of family, a lot of, uh, you know, your standard sort of suburban upbringing. My parents are uh, amazing people. I've had a very... Uh, they are. I want to confirm that. Like, yeah. They are wonderful. They're, they're fantastic. Um, and some of that was sort of born in fire of... Uh, a younger brother who's special needs, um, was a spina bifida, was in a wheelchair. Um, so we traveled a lot. That was a big part of our childhood. My dad loved to travel. He was a dentist, and then he got bored with that and became a financial advisor, which <laughs> is a, so amazing. But th- that sort of moment also taught me like risk and like mm. you know, oh wow, a lot of, yeah, lot of things. That How old was he when he changed? Well, he, he, it was sort of a process. So he was a dentist, and a friend of his said, "Hey, I'm starting this financial services company. Will you come work on Fridays and help introduce me to people?" And that Fridays became Wednesday afternoons and Fridays, and then it became Wednesdays and Fridays. Oh, that's and Tuesdays. hysterical! And the next thing you know, he's like, "I like this more," and I'm I'm quitting dentistry. Which, so that which was probably time? like 15 when he actually stopped, but he yeah. started doing that part time when I was probably seven. So it was like an eight year process of completely walking away from yeah a lot of school and a lot of as a dude, as a dad, as a as a you know a provider or trying to provide right right <laughs> hopeful for. There are a few things that fascinate me more in life than men well into their lives, kids, change occupations. Yeah. Because it's just like, that's not the script in America. No, it's not. Yeah. And it was really interesting, too, because, uh, he, yeah, he, you know, he sort of had a set of friends that were all dentists, that they had gone to dental school together. And, and they were, uh, you know, there was just like a lot of like confusion, like, well, you don't just walk away from yeah, right. this. And he's like, well, I don't like it. So, yeah, I'm right. Gonna, I'm gonna, that's how I feel about musicians who, now do something else like now they're they're a realtor or something like that yeah well you can't you just leave you can't leave right what does that mean for me (laughs) should i leave the self-reflection goes oh my gosh yeah yeah yeah. i leave (laughs) do you remember how you felt watching him do that because it happened like i said over over time yeah when I would go see my dad at the office i like knew what day it was and it was like oh he's at the dental office today or it was just my normal yeah was this sort of dual yeah, track. You know, it wasn't like a, a a moment where like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared, Dad's. But there was certainly like a when, there was one kind of definitive moment. He's like when he let his dental license expire. You know, oh for sure. Yeah, and he's like, yep, for sure. That's this it. Is, this is gone. Have you, know? you guys talked about it now? And like, has he been like, yeah, that was a really stressful time for me. Uh, yeah, it was actually. I think um, they're both sort of entrepreneurial jobs, though. That you, yeah, you know, you you kind of work off of residual work. You know, because right. if you're a dentist, you have clients that come to you all the time. And if you're a financial advisor, you have clients whose, you know, money you manage over time. And so 
they're both very relational. The difference is one is like you're it's a one way street where you're, you're talking to the person there, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> and they can't talk back to you. And then there's you. dentistry. Hey, hey. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the thing. He he, you know, uh, the reason he, the relational side of it, he just he didn't like not being able to have conversations yeah, with. I oh, can't yeah, imagine. So, so that's why he he walked away from it. But from my point of view. I was worried about like whether I was going to make the baseball team. Yeah, right. It was like this is just what dad does. Yeah, you know. And they had a pretty, they had a, they had a very sort of stable marriage. And the things that I took away more were like my dad did this one, or my parents did this one amazing thing. At least every six weeks of my entire childhood, they would leave overnight, just the two of them. Wow. Oh, that's and cool. it was either a, like a weekend trip or a couple's trip or what we'd come and find later. They were like most of the time, they were going to the embassy suites down the street. Your parents are the best. So part of it was with my brother with special needs. My mom was exhausted yeah. all the time. And so it was a way for him to give her like, hey, let's go to dinner, go to bed at nine o'clock. You can sleep till nine, get up and read your Bible and do your thing. And, you know, I'll go to work and then you can. And it was just like, for me, what it told me was like, okay, this is a really important thing yeah. to them. They're going to, it's not like, we didn't have a kid centric home. Wow. We had a sort of uh, re- relationship centric home if that difference makes any sense. So their relationship was sort of uh, the primary nexus of our home, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which, you know what's so fascinating about that, too, is that my temptation would be you lean in harder toward the toward the kid. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like, no, you have to double, like, no nights off because this is what they need. And it's so profound to me that your parents would be like, no. Well, independence was a huge thing for my dad for us. He was like, you will take care of your, you will learn to take care of yourself. Wow. And he also used to say two, two things kind of related to that. One, whenever I was in trouble, he would say, don't you forget that I love your mother more than you. Wow. <laughs> and I was, usually when I was being sarcastic to her right, or like right, talking back, right. I will teenage years, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't you forget, son. <laughs> and then he'd say, you know, kind of later, it's like, hey, I've got, I'm only going to be with you guys, you know, for like 18 years. I'm going to be with your mother for 60. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. That, like, that's a important which is a kid, true. I would it's imagine, true. just the most stable of foundations. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it felt. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have any fears about you know their the survival of their relationship. Zero, no fears. That's so, amazing. but do you remember how you reacted to that when your dad would say that? Just remember. Yes, oh. my reaction was uh, obedience and be sweet to mom because if you're not, the hammer's going <laughs> to drop. <laughs> yeah, you know, the hammer will drop. <laughs> You know, I mean, there that was it was just the ni- the eighties and nineties, like discipline, and especially in the, in sort of a Christian home, was a big thing. And so, yeah. yeah, there was like there was certainly a the classic like, I'll tell your father when he gets home, and you're just like, oh, dang it, oh yeah, this oh, is the, the ultimate, the ultimate, the ultimate, yeah, and it was real. And so, your mom was she home? Yeah, she was with home. you guys. She was time. a dental hygienist when I when up until my sister was born, my older sister, and then became a stay-at-home mom and then especially with my brother you know taking care of him was definitely a full-time occupation when did he pastor uh, 99 so the summer between my junior and senior year of high school what was that like uh, i mean it was it was totally devastating it was a surprise i was actually out of the country I was, no way yeah i was in the dominican republic on a summer missions trip language immersion thing with my cousin one of the four that was the same age as me jay had uh you know, he was 13. He had, he had always had lots of health issues. He had 29, you know, major surgeries, major being defined by anesthesia, you know. So 
a year before he died, he had this sort of reconstructive surgery on the back of his skull. Basically, there was a development issue where his brain was growing faster than his skull, so there was pressure, which was causing seizures, and they think his death was related to that. But it was still, it was it was a total surprise. I talked to him two nights before on the phone. We had guests at the house the night he died. My my aunt, and uncle, and family were there, and um, I got a phone call the next morning from my mom, um, just weeping. You know, you need to come home. Your your brother passed away last night. It was just like. No, like no, no warning shot, no nothing. So, I mean, devastation was the was sort of the, the only word way to describe it. What it did do for the relationships in the family, like it made my sister and I, and my brother and I, my sister, my brother, the other, the three remaining children. I mean, we are just thick as thieves, you know. Um, when you walk through that sort of uh, pain and, and sorrow, and it was interesting too watching my parents sort of dealt with his life and his and his death in different ways and. I think for my dad, more than that, there was like a very noticeable sort of um, thing that happened in him. Or before Jay died, he sort of had this like, you know, grab life by the horns, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do this and beat this and discipline and you know order. And 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 after his death, he became a much more tender and patient man. And and I, you know, took notes from that a lot, especially as it relates to you know both in their marriage and 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 as a, watching him as a dad. Was there any script that y'all were given from the doctors about his lifespan? Was there any like was there conversations among y'all as a family? That were no, not about? not really. I mean, the, it can it can be anything like what happened with him, um, or like the girl. There was a there was another family that had a spina bifida baby the same day in the hospital that we ended up kind of doing some life with, and so she's still alive. Really? Yeah. And she so she's thirty three. So there's no, and, and her situation was not really that much like m- milder than Jay's, um, at least as, as young, young children. So there was no, I mean, the day he was born, some of the doctors said he wouldn't live the week, you know, wow. and other doctors said, you know, again, this is 1986, you know, 1985. And so medicines, you know, changed a lot. And um, so it, again, I was three, so I don't have any. I don't really have memories pre Jay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's know, amazing. So, so just, it's just, that it was, was just, normal. It was my normal. That's insane. This may be a dumb question, but is that something that's still a part of y'all's? Like, h- how is he still a part of y'all's family? Well, the, the most like fun recent memory. So my dad, you know, uh, Memphis, like sort of, you know, upper middle class Dennis family. You know, it's like dad. We weren't even allowed to wear t-shirts in public. It was like, you <laughs> oh know, my god. Collared shirts, you know, you don't wear flip flops unless you're at the beach, you know, like, <laughs> which sounds like a direct when quote. you, when you, when you, uh, you know, when you go on an airplane, you, you tuck your shirt in and you wear oh, a belt and you know, you so have your socks on. Wow. So something like Thank a tattoo. Thank you for wearing close toed shoes. Yeah, you're welcome. And I thought I would wear my flip flops, but I thought maybe we'll go on a flight today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so tattoos were like or ear piercings or long hair. Oh, yeah, that's not a just, part of the yeah, yeah, situation. Yeah. So as I became a musician, I started sort of adopting some sort of <laughs> countercultural, <laughs> you know, point of views and started wearing, you know, black collared shirts, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh flip flops for, for days, um, you know, drinking beer, you know, some of these I mean some of these things were like big family conversations yeah, right, at right, the time, right. you know. I got a tattoo when I was like 25 and it, you know, they were, my, they were cool about it by this point, but it was also like, they were not down with it, but right. they were like, right. you're an adult. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. Right. You're, you're, yeah. You manage your own life. So jokingly, my, my other younger brother also has a couple of tattoos and has had a, a very, 
different journey than I have uh, in life and has taken him through some some highs and lows, but we're still very close. But so he, he, he got tattoos even younger than I did. So we were like um, trying to talk my dad into getting a tattoo. <laughs> Which I love And it was literally like, yeah, right, when hell freezes over, right. Hamp Holcomb's going to get a tattoo. Right, 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 this right. guy wore a, a suit to work <laughs> when he was a dentist. I love that. I mean... He's like, I would rather wear flip flops on an airplane. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, he cleans his fingernails every morning. Oh, he brushes I love his that hair. So much. What hair he has, you know. So it's like, he's a, he's a very meticulous, clean oriented. I mean, when, he, when we're in hotels, he won't go barefoot. Oh, I love that. You know, just like got his things. He's very quirky in that way. So uh, he's going to love listening to this, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah. I'm definitely going to send it to him. So we, we were joking, like, you should get this tattoo, you should get a tattoo. And he's like, no, 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 no. And finally, like after two years of us doing it, he, we just, so we sort of let it. Yeah. We dropped it. Yeah. Know? And then three years ago, uh, six months before what would have been Jay's 30th birthday, uh, dad says, hey, um, why don't you and Sam and I on Jay's 30th birthday go get, go get a Jay tattoo? And Sam and I looked at each other like, <laughs> Holy cow! Th- that what? He said, "Yeah, I found this. Uh, I found this note that we have with Jay's handwriting in his own oh his gosh. own thing." So we all went yeah. down the same Dude, on, the same spot right here about it. on our left uh, that forearm. That is so cool. Uh, it was that was that was like you know just a practical thing oh, that, 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 that happened. And um, isn't it cool too? I mean, like seeing your dad, who has been again. You kind of know he's got a groove. He's got a thing. You know, yep. he's got his little spot in the sitcom that yep. you know what he's oh, going to do when he opens the door. For sure. Comes, you know. And to see your parents as they get older change, I know with me, with my parents, like, I'm like, it's good for me to see that. So I'm like, yeah. okay, we can adapt. We can. Yeah. And then there's also things you go, oh my gosh, I do that same thing. <laughs> and this is what it looks like amplified by 30 years. Right, that's right. That's right. This is where I'm headed. Yeah, that's exactly This is my trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do I like navigate? The fact that that annoys me, and I know that I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. You know? So you grow up in Memphis in the Scrape family. I mean, you know, the Holcombs are wonderful people. They're just good, salt of the earth people. I love yeah. your mom and dad. Uh, they're, your mom they're both like truth tellers as well. Oh, like yeah. Yeah. And your mom, like, I don't know that she may be like one of my biggest fans. At least she makes me oh, feel that Oh, she laughs way. so hard. <laughs> and it's not the you. music. Like, she's like, I can't sit I next was to her on your show Instagram. Yeah. And I'm, t- I mean, just give me, give me a hug. I mean, she's just, <laughs> she's always like laughing about that stuff. So you go, obviously, great, great home in Memphis. Uh, you go to UT. Yep. So where are you in your journey in life at UT? Like, what's happening then for you? Yeah, so in high school, my sort of interest uh, sort of centered around um, music, uh, history, and studying. Like, I actually loved school growing up, specifically history and English lit. So I was, I was a reader, so I loved to read. I loved to make music. And then I was into sort of, like, individual sports. So, like, rock climbing, skiing, yeah, all those kind of things. So college for me was, like, uh, basically those three things with a bunch of new people. Yeah. You know? Yep. The deeper part was this thing with my brother was only a year old and like learning about grieving and, you know, figuring out like whether or not the faith of my childhood is the faith of my adulthood and, you know, that journey, which we all sort of take at some point. So I was, you know, I was studying as hard as I could and playing as hard as I could. So you were, you were, you were a student, like you went to college. Oh yeah. I went to college to, to like get after and with the, with the anticipation honestly my my goal if you told me at 18 what it, what is drew going to do with his life 
I'd be like, I'm going to be writing history books and a professor somewhere. That's amazing. In ten years. Yeah. So where? So music was just a hobby. Music that was, was a just hobby. Something you would do. Yeah. When you got and home. I played music at Young Life in high school, and then RUF in college, and so I had a a proficiency. Yeah. As a guitar player, and like a, a mild proficiency as a singer, but I had a lot of like uh, always always had a lot of um, confidence. You know, it's like Enneagram on the eight. So it's like. Oh, yeah. Dare me to get up there and do something? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah count on it, you know. <laughs> and add and a were little you, extra. Were you, you know? writing songs at that? No, point? so that, so I didn't start writing songs until my junior year of high school. I'm sorry, junior year of college. Oh wow! Uh, I went to I did a study abroad program six months in Edinburgh, and I didn't really know anyone there, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't lonely, but I was alone. Mm. So sort of a, a you know it was like okay, what do I want to do with this time that I have here? That's like a way. I kind of took the that time is like a break from the the extroverted life of Knoxville and Memphis. Yeah, yeah. And all the people that kind of came along with that. So I started writing songs over there. And it really came out of like in college, I fell in love with music in a, in a new way. I mean, in high school, I was a big fan of, uh, you know, Radiohead to David Gray and like all the sort of, you know, Pearl Jam and all this kind of stuff. But I wasn't like, I didn't want to be in a band. Yeah, you know? yeah. But then I heard David Gray, and then I heard Patty Griffin and Ryan Adams, and which took me down like sort of the Springsteen Dylan. And I found in the in that music, uh, like I found the voice of my grief with my wow. brother, Jeez. and and then also sort of another thing about eights, you know, or, or or just my personality is that like I see the world and its sort of sorrow and tragedy, and and I can sit in that, and and but I also kind of want to like see it change. And so music was a way that sort of I felt like it was telling me things that I wasn't finding in um, wow you know, anywhere else the expressions and stories. And so song. while you're there, this is you're kind of going whoa. Yeah, is- well, that was sort of that that my fandom was kind of percolating all throughout college. But then when it, in Edinburgh, I was like, well, I want to give it a try. Oh wow, you know. And in the meantime, I was I was actually writing my senior thesis at UT, which was about my brother. Oh wow! And so I was I was doing a deep dive into the whole story. I did like forty interviews with everybody that was really close to him, doc, like from like doctors, caretakers, friends from high school. What was like, the thesis? It was about oral. It's an oral history, so about like the the impact of a single individual's life on a community. Holy cow! Wow. And so it, there was a lot of healing. I mean, I literally would like go hang out all day my senior fall with friends, and then go back to my uh, my apartment and listen to these tapes and transcribe stuff and just weep i mean you know <laughs> which i never actually did before that so it's you know yeah. four or five years removed from from his death was actually the way i really, I really grieved it and so that's i was also that fall was when i'd come back from edinburgh and had started i'd written all these songs i didn't know what to do with them and so i started play, i started booking shows so my, while writing that thesis my last semester of college i started playing shows in knoxville and it was all friends at first coming out, but some of them were like, "Hey, like, this is good. Yeah, you should maybe yeah. try this." Yeah. Well, meanwhile, I'm pr- applying to graduate schools for history and theology at the same time. At the same time. So you, so you, I, I'm never at this point thinking yeah. that music is my yeah. future. Because you wouldn't have been applying if, if no, so. yeah, no, it was just a diversion. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a hobby. I was like, oh, "This yeah. is cool. This is, it yeah. feels good to do this." Yeah, I like this. And and my parents were very supportive. They were like, "Hey, my dad actually said this thing about colleges. I've taken with me. He's like, you don't go to college to like learn a a, a trade. He said, go to college and learn how to learn, and then you can do anything." Wow, jeez, we should end it here. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, what a good word. Yeah, it's a good word. <laughs>
Johnny. Dave. We're both right. You know, Halloween is just around the corner. Yep. And you know, you know I can't get enough of them sweet, beautiful mini chocolate bars. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you have one in each hand right now. You Wait, you can tell. I can totally tell. I mean, they're melting. It's disgusting. Okay. We're going to have to limit you this year. You know that. Please don't. But, you know, I will say that I'm a little spooked <laughs> that Halloween nice. is going to feel so different this year, you know, with the virus that shall not be named. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But, luckily, we found a perfect solution so that our kids won't go batty <laughs> <laughs> with boredom. Get it's KiwiCo. Oh, I'm feeling you there. I know that KiwiCo has changed the game in the Barnes household. They're innovative creations of science and art projects filled my kids' days with hours of fun. You know, my daughter the other day made this cool canvas by, like, dissolving these dye squares on it and making this cool, like, tie-dye bag that I truly am jealous of. She's like a little fashionista. I've always said that. She scares me when she looks at my eyes. And my youngest, Sambo the Rambo, made a xylophone out of rubber bands and pieces of bamboo. Really cool projects that are fun and educational. In such an abnormal school year... It's truly great to have something that encourages my kids to be innovators and creative thinkers. Another great thing is they have different crates for all ages. So there's something for every kid on your list. Yep. And the good news is KiwiCo is offering Dadville listeners 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line now at KiwiCo.com slash Dadville. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash Dadville. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects to build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid, so order now at KiwiCo.com slash Dadville. My dad, so, you know, it's funny, my dad had to, like, the beginning of it, same, he said, if you go to college and learn anything, it's a bonus. It's really just to go and live and right. just figure out and that was such a burden lifter for me right because i was like oh you're not going to be like staring you know yeah and he's like no just go like do the best you can yeah. but it's about you know just learning how to suddenly live and do life yeah as a, with other people yeah with other people. yeah responsibility and all that you come back from edinburgh you think your life has this one trajectory yeah. so what when does the music i mean I, and i was sort of around for some of this because yep. you and brad you know my little brother were, were really close and and I remember him saying, you, know, you remember Drew? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, he's kind of thinking about doing this music. So when when was the moment that you were like, maybe this is it instead of what I suspected it was going to be as sort of a, you know, a writer, teacher, historian? Yeah. I honestly didn't actually feel that way until like three or four years into making a living at it. Wow. It, it still felt like, a, well, this is just like. Even that long? Yeah. I mean, my approach to it was definitely like, I'm doing this, so I'm going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to put all of my energy into it but I didn't know if it was going to work I mean up until even 2008 I mean which was you know four years into the into the whole thing maybe even five you know from when I started playing shows 2009 I started uh I just didn't feel like it was going very well Ellie had quit quit her teaching job been on the road with me for two years it just wasn't like happening you know we were still living pretty like hand to mouth and and like just wasn't catching we, we didn't feel like we were growing anything and so we kind of had this conversation about like hey we're probably gonna wrap this up at the end of the year let's and I was talking to to go back to school by that point I, I needed money to do so and so I was talking to the Marine Corps no about way. like getting them to pay for law school so this is like you know t- t- I'm 30 so I was 27 when that conversation was happening 
So even up until that point, I was still unsure that this was going to be my life. Was that something you felt a grief in, or was that more of a functional, I'm looking at numbers, and this just, you know what I mean? Yeah, was there a I, loss not, in that? There was, a, there, there was definitely a loss in it, but it, I've always felt like because it wasn't some like childhood dream yes, yes. that I've been, since day one, anything that has happened in a good way has felt like playing with house money. Yeah, yep. You know, so there was a grief to it. It was also like, but, man, I got to do this crazy yeah. weird thing for four or five years yeah and it was fun it had highs and lows it didn't work you know and that was part of that was my was dad as well and then some other people in the in the business who said you know you're choosing one of the most difficult businesses because it's not necessarily uh about like it's one of the only places where hard work doesn't necessarily yield a result mm. yeah you know yep. like you can work really really hard at music for 20 years and and somehow end up at square one you know, it's not it's not necessarily likely that that's going to happen, but it's possible. Yeah. And so I always carried that that sort of knowledge that like, hey, if this doesn't work, you're not defined by it. That's right. You know? Yeah. And that sort of empowered me to pursue it without having as much of a, a, of a funeral if it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've always felt so much simpatico with you about that. I think one that we're both from the South. There was no, I mean, even, and John, we're alike in this way, but even you had a dad that played music in a band growing up. So for me and you, we're both Southern kids, really great families, like supportive, you know, great mom and dad, sisters, brothers. Um, and music kind of came out of nowhere for both of us. Totally. And I've always felt such a simpatico on that journey because I feel like when I do interviews and people talk to me about that, like, so how do you feel? I'm like, you say it better than I can. Like, it's house money. I'm, I've never, people are like, what are your visions? What, what was it? With? I'm like, I've never, ever in my life sat down with the board and gone, okay, guys, like, I want to play this place. I want to, you know, right. and we'll have sort of flyovers. Sure, there's stuff. some ambitions. Yeah, but there's some ambitions. And it was and like yeah. you, once it hit, I was like, I want to do this. Right. So it wasn't that I just sort of was like on the lazy river of life in my career. But, but like you, I think that, that was something when Brad told me, you were starting your career, and this thing was, I, I've, even at that point, it was like, man, I just love when music comes into these sort of weird, yeah. you know, like, like I wanted to be a youth, I was going to be a youth minister, or a pastor, you right. know, like it wasn't, this was not, it. so it's funny to hear you say that, because I that resonates so much to me, like, at any point in my career, I've never been like, this is who I am and what I do. It's what my parents did or, you know, right. there's no grid for me. Right. I'm like, yeah. we're just out there yeah. floating. So it's so funny to hear you say that. Yeah. And it was interesting because the people say like, well, your parents musicians. I'm like, okay, my dad loves music. Yep. He's going to be frustrated that I say this, but it's true. He's tone deaf. Yeah. Um, but he loves, he loves music, but he has no history with it. And my mom, the only music was she could, she kind of bangs out the, the piano and then our alarm clock was hymns. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the piano version up from the grave he arose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> da, 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 get out of bed, you know. <laughs> That's sort of it. And so I mean my most of my that huge, you know, list of cousins, you know, it's mostly like a bunch of military. Wow. Which is part of the reason it's the Marine Corps oh, conversation. Gotcha, gotcha. So a bunch of military, uh a bunch of people in the medical world and then people that are just like like businessmen and women, small business owners, like Yeah. There's not a person making a living creatively in that group. Yeah. So I didn't grow up. You're the like, only one. There's certainly some that have creative capacities. I mean, yeah. one of my cousins who's in, in banking is one of the finest painters I've ever wow. uh -huh. been around, but he, but he didn't have that, that Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that was the difference between that. That was sort of the X factor for me was, was my parents sort of saying like, Hey, 
Why not? I think my dad would say that he wish he wishes that he had had that permission. Mm. And not that you need the permission. Right, the the right. uh, permission is the wrong word. The blessing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Yeah. To go and do it. So. So what made you? What in two thousand nine? What What is it? The thing that makes you go? Oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to walk. Yeah, I'm not going to walk. Well, uh, release the song. Live forever. Wow. And all of a sudden, like that fall when the, we thought was going to be our last sort of hoorah, our show numbers were like doubling and tripling, and people were singing along, and it got placed in parenthood which was season one of parenthood Massive. yeah and it was this huge end of like it wasn't quite the last episode but it was this like really big moment the full song it was a montage of the season and the song exploded it's everything you'd want a placement to be yeah and this was at the point where you had sort of let go a little bit yeah totally let go it was like hey this has been fun it's been good it's not working it's time to move on wow i'm gonna go back to school yeah from the outside looking in from 2009 on i feel like you guys have just been yeah, it's been like killing a it. meteor. Maybe I need to let go of my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, funny. So, so not only did you grow up in a family that was not musical. I mean, musical. I'm sorry, but not as a as a career. But now you're married <laughs> to another. To so lots of vocational <laughs> bloodline. So, so yeah. what? So so what is that like? Like, I mean, I know you know everybody knows and loves Ellie. She's just like the bright morning star yeah. she's like you know and you guys as a couple to me are like you guys could have a sitcom because it is like <laughs> y'all's Absolutely. dynamic is it's very so, interesting we, it's, we, but it's we're wonderful. very funny it's it's very wonderful we are very different i mean like when we yeah. got married she said somebody's like you gotta read this you know the love languages book so I like and i knew i had known about it already somebody told me about it. she's like so which one do you think is yours and i was like it's not in here She's like, uh, what do you mean it's not here? It's like, my love language is punctuality. <laughs> and, and you do not speak that much. She's dear. like, oh, we're, we're in <laughs> trouble. <laughs> she's like, what do you mean punctuality? I was like, if you want me to feel loved by you, please be on time. Please be on time. She's like, oh, it's going to be tough. You're not going to feel she's very like, loved. She's like, then you need to lie to me. When I need <laughs> yes, to be which is what I did. I'm like, we need to be there at 730. <laughs> we need to be there at 830. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Ellie had. And Terry, she's the opposite. Yeah, I mean, her whole family. Her whole family, well, especially yeah. I mean, her dad has won you know wall full of Grammys, and uh, all of her siblings are talented musicians in their own right. And she grew up in a you know family where music was just sort of like you know in the air, yeah, yeah. literally and yep. and figuratively. So she actually though the business side of it, she sort of grew up not liking, like sort of despising it, just growing up around it and seeing sort of the the capacity that it had mm -hmm. to um, wreck. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wreck families. Yep. I mean, yeah. yep. and stuff. So she was like, I'm out on marrying a musician. So she was a teacher. That is so funny. One of the most talented singers I'd ever heard in college, you know, Ellie was like, I'm going to be a teacher. Yeah. And she was really good at it. She taught for a couple of years before she decided to go on the road with me. I mean, even into our marriage, she was a teacher. So, uh, the fun thing about it is like they are engaged like we, her brother Ben and I can have like long conversations about like production stuff mm -hmm. and a record mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like that's not you know something I can do with my sister yeah you know like can you believe you know so and so mixed this record yeah yeah, yeah. Claire's yeah. like what does that mean mix? yeah you know so it's yeah. like there's there's a whole different yeah sort of cultural and you don't thing. have to deal with you know the her dad being like wait no you're not marrying a musician oh like, for what sure what does he do yeah, that was never a part of the conversation. Yeah, we get along really, really well, and he's offered a lot of wisdom over the years. I mean, you know, the kind of music that 
that he's you know made and been a part of at first i was like oh it's real different i don't know if i want you know i just kind of want to like but now i'm like well he's just a, an incredible ear for songs yeah. and stuff so every time i make a record he and i go spend a day together and i just play songs for him oh i love that how cool is that play him all the stuff and it's like what do you think about this what do you think about that and it's been fun has there been sort of like you got the musical family and she inherited like oh here's the sort of like salt to the earth we, you know he's a financial advisor the mom was a stay-at-home yeah. you know has, have you each sort of gotten a little bit of like <laughs> oh for sure the only thing that's different is like personality wise i'm not like brown yeah and i'm not yeah. Debbie and I have some similarities, especially like we like to argue for fun. Like that's, yeah, yeah. we're both have yeah. that, that gene, but Ellie and my mom are actually like the same person. So it, that's been really funny because my dad and I will just like roll our eyes and laugh <laughs> at just like, and it's, it's simple things like, you know, where'd you put the keys? Oh, they're in my purse. Where's your purse? I don't know. Yeah. You yeah, know, like yeah. that whole yeah. classic, like yeah. thing is, is like, Do you my know what mom. your dad is on the Enneagram? He's, a, I think he's a three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My mom's a seven, uh, and Ellie's a seven. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. Like the funny thing about my mom is like she's like she like hates talking on the phone. So you call her and you're like, "Hey, mom," she's like, "Hey, um, what what you need?" Oh man, just straight to. <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, I was wondering if, if you and Dad could come on the 27th and uh, watch kids." And she's like, "Yeah, it's great. Sounds good. I got on the calendar. Love you. Bye." Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like she's out. And so uh, the, you know that's just like a little quirk of hers. But Ellie gets along so well with my with my family, which has been. You know, we really both, we talk about this a lot, like the gift that is getting along with your in-laws, and we have it on both sides. Yeah. And, you know, there's always, obviously always challenges and things to walk through on that front. Because the, ban the banisters are, like, they're almost diametrically opposed to what I would imagine your mom, how your dad rolls. Like, you know, they are just peace signs. In the moment. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's a slow-moving but really fun slow-moving train. Yep. And yours, you know, I know. And Brown's like a great listener. He's sort of yeah. a, a quiet. He's not shy, yeah. but he's a quiet guy. Yeah. My dad is like, all right, everybody's here. Gather around, story time. <laughs> you know, let me tell you about, have I told you the one about, you know, and you're like, dad, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you told us that one. Actually, actually, you told us yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, I know, I know. <laughs> you know. I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah. So what are the things that you like about being married? Like, what, what are kind of the pros and cons of that kind of a marriage with you and Ellie, where you have both creatives you have both musicians, both stage people, too. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, what are sort of the ups and downs of that? So the one fear that I always had was competition within the marriage as yeah. it relates to, like, being musicians. And thankfully, that has never really been an issue. And I think mainly because we sort of, um, once Ellie left the band and started doing her own thing, the, the sort of lanes that we are in are mm. so different yeah. Yeah. that there's not a ton of um, competing realities. Yeah. You know, like, we're not trying to get the same venues we're not trying right, to like right. you know get the same accolades or right. the same but our fans certainly overlap a good bit but um so that's been a, a real blessing to not have that but it's certainly something that could creep in that i yeah. know can creep in and and sort of marriages where you have you know you share a vocation um so it's interesting we're very different like ellie loves you know co cooperation a lot more than i do and that you know that she loves to do like she loves co-writing. I, I like co-writing, but I learned to like it. I used to yep. hate it. Yep. And it's, I can only do it with people I trust. She yep. can go in a room and just yep. write with whoever. Yep. You know. So when we write together, we have to be sort of like we have to have a lot of patience with each other. I mean, there's there's lots of um, ways that we have had to give each other space. I mean, you, you, people always say you know you're married to even if you're married to the same person your whole life, which that's my plan. 
You're actually you're still actually married to like thirty different people. That's yeah. man. Amen. You know, Amen. because you always Amen. change. Amen. You know, you're always um growing up. Yeah. You know, together and hopefully, right? Hopefully. Yeah, that's certainly the plan. So for us it's been a a lot of practical things. Like we regular counseling, regular conversations. We do a trip every year called the State of the Union where we look back and look forward and God, I love that. you know, so there's just a uh, and there's little things too that we do that some people think are like Ellie's tour manager thinks this is so weird. But when Ellie and I fly together, we sit, we don't sit together because we both like the window seat. So we sit, I sit behind her and people are like, who know us walk by and they're like, Ooh, they must be in a fight. Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's like, here no, we, we just go. both like the window seat. That is so funny. <laughs> so do <laughs> you so functional? So functional. Do that's you the, that's like, like me, you know, she's like, wait, we're, we're going to do what? And I was like, well, you want to sit in the window seat. You want me to sit in the middle and I don't want to sit in the middle. <laughs> So she's oh like, well, I have to sit at the window because I like to fall asleep. And I'm like, that's great. That's wonderful. Do that. Yeah. I'm going to sit behind you. <laughs> my, wife, your head. my wife needs to hear this segment because <laughs> I like the window. My wife likes the window. Yeah. I sit in the middle. It's, yep. See, it's a, I'll talk to her. So do you <laughs> do, give me the phone? Give me the phone. Do you feel like you are leading this charge of like our relationship first functional State of the Union trip every year because of what you saw your dad or your mom and your dad do growing up? Certainly a big part of it. I also love, uh, this is going to sound really cheesy, but I love serious fun. Mm. Like what is that? Like we're going to go to Puerto Rico. We're going to stay at this swanky place. And we're going to go snorkeling all day. And then we're going to sit down at dinner and talk about our regrets for the last year. Wow. And how we can sort of like build off of those, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, uh, and, I, and is Ellie, I mean, is she in on that? Oh, she's in, yeah. Ellie's, yeah, okay. I mean, she's seven. She's in for everything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Touche. Yeah. She's like, what? Sure. Sounds fun. Yeah. And great. then her sixth wing's like, but what if it all goes wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Let's take different flights. Yeah. Different flights. Yeah. Different flights. So I do think it's like there's a there's sort of an insatiable, like, as an English lit lover. There was that, you know, that dead poet society ethic of like, you know, the Walt Whitman sucked the marrow out of life, you know. And so Ellie, sort of the thing I fell in love with her about in college was like she sort of had an insatiable appetite for good. Mm, you I know? love that. And I was like, well, that's that's who I want to mm. do life with because mm. I, I have that too. But I'm also sort of stuck in sorrow and that's sort of where I live and it's OK, you know, so that's like I'm fine with that. So we can do this thing together. And, and I bet we'll have I bet we'll have a lot of fun, mm. you know, but you have to take it seriously and you have to do the the like the practical side of me. He's like, but, you know, you got to tune up yeah, the marriage yeah. on a regular basis in order to be communicating and not just be like cruising through life. Yeah. Which makes a ton of sense. It seems like an obvious thing, but especially when you have kids, I, it's I think hard. That's something that totally falls by the wayside. It does. It does. Yeah. There's sort of a running joke in our friend group. The wives are like two things. They're like, okay, we have to have a Drew line item on our budget. <laughs> oh my gosh! And what did Drew texted or sent an email today? Oh gosh, what did we just get invited to do? <laughs> that is hysterical. <laughs> so they just have a budget. They're like, they're like, yeah, like y'all. Are, okay, they're going, Drew's going to take two yeah. golf trips this year, and they're gonna they're gonna go on them. Yeah. So just go ahead and line item that. Yeah. You know, and then yep. it's, but also it's not just guys stuff. It's like. Like, you know, I play this charity golf event every year, and and the, the celebrity gift for it is a $1,000 Ruth's Chris gift, gift certificate. And so every – and that's in March. And so every summer, it's like we're going we're gonna to go out four couples, and we're going to go to Ruth's Chris, and we are going to just drop the mic go on ham. the place. That you is know? awesome. <laughs> you so know you are living a good like, life. Yes. 
when all your friends are like, yeah, we, we you're just built into our annual budget. Right. Like you just rope people. That's in. really. I, I do. I like to gather people for serious fun. You know. <laughs> serious fun. Serious yeah. fun. Have serious fun. So, yeah. so you said your kids. So. First of all, just tell us about your kids. It's yeah. about to add to the You are a dad. Here. I am a dad, yes. Uh, so we have two with another, um, probably, you know, by the time people hear this, will be three. So um, my oldest, her name is Emmy Lou. She's almost six. She just started kindergarten. She has, you know, when we, she was first born, we took her with us for a year. She's been to like 42 states already. Unbelievable. Um, she's very gregarious. She's a lot like me personality-wise. She's very... Um, sort of pensive and serious but also like loves people but like but she kind of likes to be in charge so we're trying to work on that you know <laughs> quote unquote yeah we're um, working on that her little brother huck is three and he is so sweet he's like uh he's like this tender what i prayed for him he would have a tender courage mm, you know I love that. which is something i don't think I, I had to i had to like work for the tender part of that yeah, yeah. i was gonna say you got the courage um, no problem with yeah that. so that's sort of who he is he's like you know he can run straight into that glass wall and not really cry, but as soon as you correct him, he's buckets. Wow. You know, so he's just a very tender-hearted kid. He's really fun, you know. Um, so that's the two of them, and, and so far they get along really well. I mean, they, they, still, they fight all, every day, but yeah, they also yeah, really yeah. They sleep in the, you know, we put them in a bunk room, and they're like, yep. it's life together. Yep, yeah. So, um, yeah, we've, you know, taken them to a lot of really fun stuff, and I've enjoyed I really enjoy being a dad. It's, you know, I, I honestly, this is going to, because everyone told me how hard it was going to be. It's actually not been as hard as I thought. Yeah. Because yep. everybody was like, Oh, being, being, being a parent is just the hardest thing. Like ever. what were the, what were the warnings? Like what were the things they would fire off? They'd be like, okay, Oh, here's well, the Oh, the sleep thing, you know, yep. you know, which is true, but yep. it's not that hard. Right. Just go to bed a little earlier. Right. 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 You know, you know, you can't do all the things you want to do. That's not true. Yeah. You can do some of the things you want to do. Yeah, you yeah. just can't do all of them. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, whatever is the money part of it. It's so expensive. Yeah. Yes, it, it is expensive. You know, I mean, there's certainly some truth to that. Everybody has all these warnings. You know, the thing is so funny to me is some people, if they have kids that are slightly older than you, there's just one guy, this friend of mine, lives in Oklahoma. And uh, he has two kids that are like both a year and a half older than our two kids. So. And so when we had Emmy Lou, he's like, well, you know, here's how it's going to go. This is the so hard, the diapers and the this and the sleep. And, the, and then then we, then we had Emmy Lou. And then he has his second. And so then we get, and he's like, well, and it was always just like, well, let me tell you about it. Yeah. You know, and finally I said, hey, listen, you're always going to be like two years ahead of us. So if you want us to still be friends, I need, I need the unsolicited wisdom to go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just see ya. I really did. Yeah. That. Unsolicited advice. No more. Yep. Or else I'm, I'm going to stop calling you. <laughs> That's it. So you know. Yeah, just so you know, like, <laughs> all the warning shots all the time. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm never going to catch up to you. Yeah. Cause, yeah. You know, because it's going to be like, well, now that once they get to eighth grade. Let me tell you what's happening over here. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Go. Yeah. So, I, you know, that kind of stuff. There's just always people have, you know, and some of it's like, some of it's beautiful. Like when people say, oh, they just grew up so fast. And you're like, man, that, that just rings so true. Yeah. Like it dropped Emilio off yep. school on the way over here. Yeah. And she's in kindergarten, and it's just like, I'm so proud of her, but I'm also just like, how? Oh, I know. How is this happening? Did y'all, when you and Ellie got married, and we're dating even, did, were kids like a big part of that conversation? If so, did y'all talk about how many are y'all talking about? Yeah, we, I mean, the kids were an assumption. Ellie's one of five, I'm one of four. We both have happy memories of being children, and sort of the assumption that that's a pretty formative part of the sort of family experience. So we never really talked about how many exactly. I mean, we've talked around around it. But then as far as when, I mean, we, we, we certainly made a choice to wait. Yeah. 
because of the music thing. And, you know, my sister, who's only a year older than me, has five kids that are all older than my kids. Yeah. There was just an assumption that we were going to have kids. And honestly, like, I, I knew that Ellie was going to be a great mom, you know. Um, she, so that was just, just the way she interacts with people and the way she sort of carries life lightly mm, in, yeah. in general. It's like, this is going to go well. It's going to be hard, too. You know, there's, like, seasons where it's, like, and this is tough, and we're like stepping into one of those for us, whatever for whatever reason. That first few months of newborn stuff is just is Yosh. is tough. Yeah, it's you know? So especially uh, once you already have kids. Yeah, the yeah. first kid is a little bit different. It's a lot quieter. Yeah, the, and then yeah. everyone after that is just chaos. Yeah, it is chaos. The only thing I, I like better about the second, third versus the first is the first. I would look at the monitor every twenty minutes. Like, are they are they breathing? Yeah, yeah, are they alive? Yeah, and now yeah, I'm like, is it up there for eight hours? Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> But because, yeah, the rest of the, you have to manage the rest of the chaos. Yeah. So what's the dynamic with uh, the four of you right now? Yeah. Like, is Emmy Lou, is she a daddy's girl? Or are they both? Like, I, I have kids that are almost exactly the yeah. same age as yours. I think we're a month behind. Yeah. So well, let me just tell you FYI. About it. <laughs> let me tell you all about <laughs> it. <laughs> let me tell you what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, next uh, week will be that. I've been through that week before. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. In three weeks, it'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, that's right. Um. So both of my daughters, I have two daughters, they are both like, we are just now starting to see signs of them acknowledging me as a human being. Right, right. A part of the family. What is that like with you guys? With Emmy Lou, now that she's, you know, she's, uh, let's see, five and a half or almost six, there's definitely been a switch in the last year where she went from like always preferring Ellie to being like, Dad, what are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> yeah what okay. and the wait, first wait. time wanna, she wanna, asked wanna you that you. did you just break down in tears yeah yeah well actually there's a there was a pivotal moment in our relationship when she was two and a half um i we were down at the beach and i had been on tour for like four weeks and so she didn't see me at all and she was not having it not having me like wanted nothing to do with me and uh we were down at the beach just the four of us and i was like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna take you on a um daddy daughter date to the to the like putt putt place you know and she's like mommy's coming and i'm like no it's just gonna be you and me you know it's just gonna be you and me and ellie was pregnant and so she's like no mommy coming and i'm like no okay so i just wait so the next morning i wake her up i'm like hey you ready to go and she's like no i'm like you're going and she starts sobbing sobbing holding on to ellie's leg holding on to ellie's leg and ellie's like what do you want me to do and i'm like i just literally extracted her from yeah, ellie yeah yeah, yeah. And sobbing, kicking, and screaming, put her in the car seat and took her to Waffle House and to the putt putt place. Like, you are going to hang out with me right yeah. now. I am your dad. You know? Yeah. And she stopped crying by like the Pole middle of seven. The middle of breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> At the Waffle House. And she was kind of like, you know, started talking to me a little bit and like, you like your waffle? Yeah. You want some more sugar? Yeah. You know, it's so like <laughs> kind of feeding the beast a little bit. And so then we Literally. drove to the mini theme park place and it had it was one of those ones that has like the little airplane ride and the little train ride and i did i paid for every single one of them (laughs) oh yeah just spoiled her to death super dad you get whatever you want yeah super dad you know who doesn't do this Uh, mommy (laughs) but that was a turning point because it for some reason she was old enough to carry the memory and so she still will be like like that time we went to the place with the airplane oh that's and i'm like but i I, it was so painful for me because i just felt like I felt like, man, I failed. Like this job is wrong. Mm, yeah, it's because I was gone. You know, oh, the, totally. the shame of like, you know, you're not 
doing it right and mm. and instead i was just like i know i'm not doing it right but like i'm <laughs> just you know it's again sort of the Isn't challenger it, you thing you know what is so powerful about that story and i think encouragement to the dads out there is by god's sweet grace whether we like it or not we are programmed to love our dads mm-hmm. and i think the reminder like hearing you say that is there i mean we john and i laugh about this all the time like my kids Still, Xana is the only of our three, our middle girl, who who is starting to skew toward me a little bit, and that's that's a she's the only girl on the dad, you yep. know. So that's that's a you can sort of see that coming, but you know, it's just such an encouraging word that that since you pressed in, you were leaning on this truth, which is she. Lo- I know that somewhere in there, she loves me. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but but you had to do the work. Yeah. And I think that that's something I'm so thankful so thankful for as a parent is that even in those moments with my kids where I'm like they're either mad at me or they're they want mama more they still do want me yeah and that develops over time because the dynamic changes and as they grow up you know your relationship really flourishes the dad I think more the older they get but I love that story because I think that's so it's so beautiful and so true that now it's this you know Ebenezer moment for her that like oh we did this but I mean (laughs) 20 minutes in, you're like, I'm turning, you know, I could just turn this car back yeah. around and, and just you know. go, I'll go sit on the beach and drink a tecate, you know, like, <laughs> I'm fine, but it's just, but it's like, that's not what I want. That's right. I was going to say, it's interesting too, that there's a dynamic that there's a little bit of a missing sort of character in my whole story that we should, you know, that I want to come back to with, it was just my grandfather down the street, which is something that I learned from him was that I carry with me as a dad is this, this invitation to his world. So, Ellie is really good at sort of engaging the kids on their terms, you know, like drop what she's doing, play the princess game, build the train set. I can do those things, but I have no inclination, like no natural yeah. like yeah. inclination towards yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but what I do love is like if I'm doing something and it's like relatively possible at all to include them. Mm. I try yep. to. Yeah. So it's like, hey, I'm going to Home Depot. Who, Amelia, you want to go to Home Depot? Yeah. Yes, I'll go. When we get to Home Depot. Like, can I get in the cart with the steering wheel? Sure. Yeah. It's going to cost you two extra minutes to let you ride around in this stupid thing for a minute. Right. But we're still, you know, getting the screws to put the thing in the wall that I need to do. Or like, I'm going to go to the driving range. You want to go hit golf balls with me? Uh, Or like, I bought this old Bronco for the only purpose of like, I had a motorcycle. Well, the motorcycle is not a family pursuit. Yeah. Sold a motorcycle, buy the Bronco. They'd love to ride in the back and we go get ice cream. You know, it's like little things that I can kind of like, make my world accessible to them so my grandfather was again five doors down had 28 grandkids but he he paid attention to all of us because he played really hard he i probably played golf with him 20 times in my life i probably hunted with him 100 fished with him 80 and watched him do taxidermy every week that's a like a big difference between ellie and i is that like my natural thing is like i I just i'm gonna do my life and bring the kids into it so like if I'm down in my office and I'm like doing stuff that doesn't require like I'm not I'm not this won't happen if I'm writing a song, but if I'm like you know doing paperwork or whatever, it's like yeah, come on and bring your toys in here, mm-hmm. sit sit right here, right That's next right. to me, you know. And Ellie can't do that. She's like, if they're there, I can't yeah. do this other stuff. Yeah. I have to pay attention yep. to them, and that's that's great. But like we've had to embrace that difference because for a while I felt like it wasn't okay for me to do it that way. That I needed to be like more like on the floor with them. Mm-hmm. And right. I was telling a story to myself that like Ellie was judging me for that and it wasn't true. Yeah. But if it just sort of, you know, you, you, you make your reality, you know, sometimes 
poorly. You know, you can right. tell yourself the wrong story. So that was a, that's been a good thing. And, and I've been able to express that because I really learned that from, from my granddad. Like he was just so good at it. You and, know, and it, it, the two things that I think about that are so profound to me about that dynamic is one, I think one of the easy things for me to believe, same as you, is the stories we tell is this idea that like, cause Annie again, like she, she's down there and she's playing with the trains and it is so hard for me to do. Right. Like I just, if they, if daddy come play with me, that sentence is the beginning of like the death knell. It's like, and I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. Cause I'm going to sit down. And what's hard about it is that you don't, you're not in control. Oh, in no, no, my no. mind, I'm like, We'll have to do this for eight more yeah, hours she, or something. She is insatiable. She'll want to play tea <laughs> yeah. until we're that, bleeding. That's the thing, because you know your kids can, they'll throw that ball against the wall or whatever a thousand yeah, times time. until the sun is down and it's time yeah, to yeah, go yeah. to sleep. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. crying. And yeah. she's like, that. Exactly. So what I think is always really interesting about what you just said and thinking about your granddad, thinking about, I think particularly, truthfully, us as dads is some dads do that easier than others. But I think one of the things so profound about what you said is is a reminder that we, you, Drew Holcomb, John McLaughlin, you guys are supposed to be the kids to your dads as Drew Holcomb and as John McLaughlin, not as super dad, right. not as let me sort of morph myself into whatever, like God very purposely made you those kids' dads, you know? And so you are your best. You have your, your own unique offering. That's exactly right. the yeah. And so I think yeah. one, the thing to think about is like, how can I do that well so i don't do this I, you need to play but if that's not where you're going to thrive and it's going to frustrate by the room then what are those ways to do that and i think as dads when you invite your kids into your space it is a sacred thing it is yeah. i really think it's a holy thing because we as dads uh we we you know we like our vocation we like doing we like up and moving like rest is hard. one of my favorite things i ever read uh, i read one of those john eldridge books back when annie and i were dating and it made me laugh so hard and he said you know guys he said when you look at renaissance and these beautiful paintings women you know they're beautiful in repose you know they're laying and they're either clothed or not but you look at the painting like god he's like how many pictures do you know of men <laughs> who are laying down and you look at it and you go what a beautiful picture that man right. he said no you look at that picture like get up and do something clothes <laughs> on, you know? and i remember laughing so hard at that thought <laughs> so but there's something about men in motion there's something about when when you go as a dad and i think this is profoundly powerful is when you go hey Come with me. Yeah. Because I think they just instinctively are like, dad's space is a, that's a sacred thing. Like dad's workspace, his, his just tool space, his yard, the things that dad manicures and procures and takes care of, like it matters to dad. And right. so when he says, hey, come, come help me in the yard. You're like, for real? Yeah. And, and so I think those invitations can be like these really powerful, holy invitations. Yeah. So hearing your granddad, it's such an encouragement to me. And I think, too, to relieve any pressure where we go, God, again, the story, I'm, I'm not doing this well because I'm not down there with him. I'm not like our kids in the basement have a huge play area. Like I'm not down there all the time with them. But it's but exactly like you and John, you're amazing about this too. I'm always encouraged by you. Like I can write with them in here. I've figured out how to like – I just like them being in here. Yeah, this door is never shut, ever. I want them to always know, like, Dad's studio is fair. And now there's times where I have to be like, hey, sure. you have to shut up. Or, like, give me five minutes, you know. But I think there's something so so profound about the power of a dad going to his kids. Like, hey, no, 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 this is – I want you here too. Mm -hmm. You know, that I think that's an incredibly powerful thing. Yep. Well, and the fact, the nature of how that happened, that story, like – 
I remember your story about uh, Emmy Lou reminds me of when I my dad took me to a Colts game when I was super young, and my dad traveled a ton. I preferred my mom. I'm sure I don't remember the lead up to it, but I probably didn't want to go. Right. Like on the surface, I didn't want to go. I remember that Colts game. I remember stopping at at the gas station and him showing me how to like check the oil in the car and stuff like that. Like even though on the surface I did not want to go, it was so impactful for me even in the moment and now 30 years later I remember little details about that one yeah, little trip. Absolutely. This is a, probably a bizarre question, but what kind of dad would you say you are? What's a space you're trying to kind of occupy and yeah. maybe with that, what are the things you got to keep from believing? What are the lies as you occupy that space yeah. that you have to go, no, I, it's okay that I'm this or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of live in the tension of being like sort of disciplinarian, like heavy. Yep. Yep. You know? Because Ellie's not. <laughs> no. No. It's like when I say something, yeah. you will listen. Yep. Yep. And also I will tease you and tickle you and throw you across the yep. room like nobody's business. Yeah, yeah. You know, yep. like, so that tension of like, man, my dad is really fun and we enjoy playing together you know but also like when he says we're done it's time to go to bed yeah like that's yeah. get your ass upstairs yeah. yeah that's right you know that's right um so that is a natural place for me yep. Like, yeah yep uh, you know is that like, because that's how your dad was yeah i mean for sure i think that's part of it um yeah we, dad loved to tease us and you know i mean even in his discipline it was he was he liked to tease us i remember one time we were fighting about something, and you know the the punishment was we didn't get to have dinner that night. Oh wow! Yeah, I was probably in middle school, you know, and so um, he was really upset with us about what it was. We were fighting; it was some food related argument, you know, like that was my cracker. You know, oh, yeah, we yeah, stole yeah. The, my yeah. whatever, and he's like, "All right, y'all aren't eating tonight." That's and it was like, "Oh dang," you know, that's <laughs> 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 dropping the hammer. No food. So we get. I remember I'm sitting in my, I'm, in the, I'm in the bunk bed, and you know I'm probably 12 or 13, and he comes in with this huge bowl of ice cream. No. Sits down no, right right next no, to me. No, no, no. And I'm starving. And he just eats the whole thing. Talk, no. Talking to me about my day. And he's like, he like, you know, the very last bite, <laughs> he like hand, hands it towards me. And I'm like, and he puts it in his mouth. Your dad just became the greatest guy. <laughs> <laughs> we had some crazy punishments. That's a Bill Cosby. Like, that's a Cosby yeah. show moment. You yeah, we had some crazy punishments. Like, he liked to be creative with punishments, so it was just like. So there was creativity in your house. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the two the two strangest ones, which are both sort of gross, and uh, but they're real. They, they happened. One was if you didn't make your bed when you came home from school, you had to take off your dirty sock and put it in your mouth for a minute. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so guess I'm... so guess who made their bed? Everybody. Uh, everybody. <laughs> you did wow. that one time, and you're like, oh yeah, you're out. So when he was also the second one, this is really disgusting, but it's also funny. So, you know, as a dentist, you had high expectations of dental hygiene. Mm. So uh, I hated brushing my teeth as a kid. And so one day he comes home, he's, you know, talking. He's like, let me see your teeth. He's like, when was the last time you brushed your teeth? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> and he goes, all right, meet me in the kitchen. And he gets his little tools out, the scraper, and gets a saltine cracker, scrapes my no. teeth off, puts it all on the cracker, and says, no. eat it. No. Makes me eat it. No. Yes. I bet you started brushing. I started teeth. brushing my I teeth. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I was like, I mean, I, I, I probably threw up. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. You know, he's like the classic. You know, and if you, you know, you had a filthy mouth, it's like, all right, spoonful of Tabasco. You know, it's oh like, my gosh. Just like practicals. It wasn't. You know, it, he like had fun with his expectations, and he, and he yeah. also he had these like 
he loves to like diagram discipline, you know? So he had this thing, he's like, you know, you sit down and you made a, you know, you made a bad choice. And so he drew this thing. He's like, this is the road. These are the right choices keep you on this road. Well, you just made a choice that took you off this road. And if I don't turn you back to this road right now with this minor choice, what happens? You keep making choices in that direction. And the next thing you know, you're miles from where you should be, you know, and, and he's like, take that and think about it, you know, or like the circle of trust. Like I've given you this responsibility and expands and now it's getting smaller and you draw the circles and you're just like, yeah. I mean, he's like, have I ever told, have I, have I told you about the decision road and i'm like yeah yeah dad it's like 15 <laughs> I, li- times. I like that as a theme <laughs> yeah the decision, decision road <laughs> ham polkum disciplinarian <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah we had he was very like you know so there's certainly lo- like learned some of the like the expectations and discipline from him but i mean i you know we're just getting started at it so like who knows yeah. if it's gonna work Oh, man, Dave, 2020 has been tough. Mm. I feel for all my friends who own small businesses because I'm one of those friends, and yeah. you're also one of those I'm friends. All, you feel for me, and I feel, I for, feel you. for you. You know, every decision that we make is so important, and it's all hands on deck for every small business right now. Well, here's the good news. Indeed is here to help. Indeed. Indeed is here to help. <laughs> That's fun. I always feel so proper when I say indeed. You sound proper. Thank you. I should have a cup of tea, indeed. Hey, pinky's up, right? I know. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world. I don't know about other planets, but in the world, they're number one. one. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and flexibility over your hiring. Right now, more than ever, hiring the right person for a position is so crucial. Like, where am I going to find a project manager that doubles as a graphic designer, as well as someone who can help me fix my email inbox? Oh, man, I've been looking for that guy. Mm. Also, that's wildly specific. Well, listen, Indeed can help with their powerful tools to make your search so much easier. Even better, right now, Indeed is offering our Dadville community a free $75 credit. $75. $75 to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. So go right now to Indeed.com slash Dadville to try Indeed out with a free $75 credit. This is the best offer you're going to find anywhere. No doubt. Terms and conditions do apply. Offer is valid through December 31st, so go right now to Indeed.com slash Dadville to take up this offer. What are the things that have surprised you and yourself as a dad? Like, yeah. like, like, what are the things that you're like, you know, coming into like the moments before Emmy Lou is born, you're like, this is who Drew Holcomb is. And then yeah. two years in, you're like, wow. The sort of telling moment that Ellie, Ellie tells this story, is, you know, I'm like not a very like affectionate, especially with like, you know, encouraging. That's not my nat. I had to learn all that. Emmy Lou was born. We get home from the hospital and she's like on the floor in her little pillow thing. And I'm just right there on top of her. And I said something like, hey, you doing pudding? And Ellie goes, huh? <laughs> She said, what'd you just say? I said, I said pudding. She's like, oh my gosh, what's happened to you? Where did you put my husband? You know, and I was like, I just had a daughter. That's where you put my husband. I just changed overnight. Yeah. I am a tender barrel full of emotions, you know? (laughs) Don't push me because I'll cry. Don't push me because I'll cry. That's exactly right. So I have been given like, you know, the grace of patience, I think, in ways that I never expected from myself. And then I also recognize in myself how much I love control and having to like realize that you don't have a lot of control. You know, I like to conquer ambitious person, like to win the, you know, the the struggle. Yeah. 
and I've learned with parenting that it's like you don't you don't get to win the struggle. You just do the work and and pray for the best. Yeah, that's yeah. a great word. You know, it's just yeah. like that's just part of you know what it is. And the other thing that I think is really my kids sometimes I can create the best fun and idea, but if they're not in the mood, yeah. And you could beat yourself up and be like, gosh, I just didn't yeah. do this right. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll be like, hey, we've rented a pontoon boat for the day. We're going to go do this. And they're like, I want to watch Paw Patrol. You're like, well, guess what? You're not watching Paw Patrol. Get your ass in the boat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, I don't say that. I'm like, no, we're going to the boat. <laughs> we're going. Look at yeah. Daddy. Yeah. Look at Daddy. Look at, do you see this? This, this face says, hey, we're like, getting in the car. The waffle story? <laughs> the waffle story? What did we learn from that waffle hey, story? You see this receipt that I got? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Boat yeah, yeah. We're going to the boat. Right, exactly. You know, a fun aside, one of my favorite things I learned about, because um, Annie, you know, my wife is an eight, like you're on the Enneagram. And one of the funniest things, and this was amazing to me, that I learned about eights with children, like with really young children, is how, and the mother thing's a different thing, but she she became a pile of goo overnight. I mean, we had yeah. our first child, and it was literally like, I mean, yeah. to, it, to, to... Just like that. I mean, Ellie's point, I literally thought, where has my wife gone? Because you are just this blubbering ball of beautiful mess now, you know. Yeah. And she's kind of like that all the time. But one of the things that's really funny is listening to these interviews with uh, eights. Is there's there's this affinity toward children. All these interviews I've heard with eights say how much they love really young kids, like being with them when oh, they yeah. had them, because love babies. It's pre betrayal. There's this draw to children before they can hurt you. Yeah. And I saw that in Annie. And it's interesting because we've laughed about this. Like, as our children gotten older, she loves them just as much, but it starts to change because they, they, they disobey. Yeah. And they don't do. But, man, those first two or three years, like where, where Sam, our two-year-old, is, it, you have never seen a woman that is more warm and obsessed. Right, right. That's and, so and interesting. It, and yeah. watching it change, and it's changed because when they start to disobey, and it's it doesn't, you know, she loves them as much, but you can see that in her, the struggle becomes different. Because she's like, wait a second. Yep. You're not just sweet and kind to me all the time now, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so John John brought up an interesting point. Before we close up, because we got a couple of questions on the outro, but two things that I, I'm really curious about. One, I just want you to, because I'm going to ask you to do a favor for me and tell a story, because I think it's one of the funniest things ever. But, but w- with music, because we kind of skipped this, and I, I think this is worth talking about. What are your three favorite musical moments? I really am curious about this. Uh, so as an artist or a fan or both? Uh, no, artist. artist. As an artist, okay. The first time we played the Ryman, walking on stage, and I... Uh, that was such a good show, by the way. Thanks, man. God, Thank you. Great show. It was a great It was a, like a dream realized that I never even had the courage to dream. Mm. Uh-huh. Amen. You know? Yep. Which, how great it, does it feel now to even say the sentence, oh, probably the first time we played the Ryman. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it literally feels like, like I'm joking. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but my good friend, Bear Reinhardt from Need to Breathe... Um, was at the show and before I went on stage he said hey take it in let he said let the show come to you and so I was able to be really present and wow. uh, walked off word. walked off stage into the, the the dressing room it was just the band in there and Rich my bass player who is a uh, sort of unemotional guy in the sense that he doesn't like you know he's not a hard on your sleeve kind of guy he's very kind of keeps to himself and he pulls me aside and puts his hands on my shoulders and looks me right in the face and he's crying mm. and he goes that's the best freaking show we've ever played oh god come on man and he's never said anything remotely near that yeah and i've i've actually talked with yeah, rich the, about yeah, this rich show. with you a bunch yeah yeah it was a it was a magical experience so that's that's certainly one 
And I think the second would be the first time we 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 did Moon River. Mm. Emmy Lou was uh, let's see, that was two thousand. She was um, one and a half, or or yeah, I think she was one and a half. And she was side stage, and we closed out the night singing Moon River, just me and Duggar, him on piano and me singing. And it was you know packed out crowd, and uh, we had gotten these. Uh, illegal now the faa called us about this but um no joke but there's like lanterns they're like about the no size way. of a, i don't know they're about oh, three yeah. feet in diameter and yeah. you light them and then they go up yeah. in the sky we'd, we'd get in like we had like 40 of them that we had kind of uh, scattered throughout the audience and they went up and we had the lights completely off you know played moon river and which it was there's got to be some kind of like record i feel like for like the quickest festival like that has started and now you're doing it wh- where are you doing it chattanooga. Chattanooga. chattanooga it's like sold out yeah it's sold out in eight hours that's eight amazing hours. i think a big part of that is the the lineup we got this year is just crazy yeah. the avid brothers but it's only what four years old this yeah. is only your fourth it's time. a fourth time in five years we had we took a year off last year yeah yeah it's crazy that's and that, that 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 honestly just is about that the wisdom in that whole story is picking the right partners mm, like yeah. that's that's not that I had some, you know, miracle vision. It's just picking the right people to execute a, a dream, you know, yeah. and then kind of expanding that team as it, as it grew. So that'd be my second one. And then, uh, my third one was, was go way, way, way back. The first, um, time that I played a show in Nashville was at the Sutler Mm, and the it. show is sort of irrelevant. I was opening for this guy named Corey Brannon, who's yeah. a Memphis artist, incredible songwriter. But I had invited Ellie to the show. We were just friends at the time. And I had written this song the night before, after she and I had hung out, called I Like to Be With Me When I'm With You. I love that song. And there's like 20 people in the audience, and she's there. And this is like, I was like, this is a song I wrote last night about somebody. And I played the song, and that's the night I told her, like, hey, we've been friends for a long time. And when, I, when I'm with you, I just feel like I don't have to be somebody else, you know, and like kind of, so she knew the song was about her, but I didn't like say the song. Was oh, about I her. love was, that. So that like, I was more nervous to play that song in that moment, <laughs> knowing that the stakes of my future <laughs> yeah, hung in the balance. Hung in the balance. And it's like, I was three times more nervous for that moment than I was to play at Red Rocks. Yeah. yeah you know, opening yeah, for Need to Breathe. Yeah. So it's like, that particular memory is not necessarily about the music. It's about like sharing this creative thing with the hopes that it actually oh. will change the course of my life. Oh yeah. my gosh. I mean, amazing. <laughs> so, so, so that said, I told John, I was like, so the favor I have is, will you please, and this is actually a good segue. <laughs> I'm already laughing. <laughs> will you please tell the story about the show, the NACA show? Oh my gosh. The Minneapolis one? <laughs> with the, with yes. the basement, with yes. the piano thing. Oh, okay. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Is, uh, and, and okay. let, me, let me just set this up for a second. Yeah, yeah. This is one of my... This is literally in my top five of all of my friends, like, like worst show moments. Because we've so yep. just gone. This is a great juxtaposition. We've just gone from like the, the, three. the greatest <laughs> moments to the most humbling <laughs> moment of my life. Okay, because because they need each other. They no, oh, they are. They are they are the 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 yin and the yang or whatever. So when Ellie quit, uh, I'm going to direct this story at John because he didn't heard it yet. So. It's it's gonna be physical. I'll try to do my best to explain the physicality of it. It's okay, sorry. you got your headset, headset on. You I do. I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm the headset. I'm ready. Let's, I'm stretching, everybody. Okay, so 
when Ellie quit her teaching job uh, a year into our marriage, um, th- she came on the road with me. And at the time, I, I was making my living playing a lot of like small colleges, community colleges, to this organization called NACA. Yeah. And I had a booking agent that was getting me these shows. And and they were, you know, they were really tough because like m- almost all the time, no one <laughs> who's there cared. So this one particular yeah. day, and Ellie's now with me, I've brought her into this savagery of this world. But at least now I'm not doing it alone. Because so NACA, just globally, it, it's kind of known in our world that when – did you do NACA stuff? I never did it, but okay. I – Okay, because it, it's a really interesting little world because it's National Association of Collegiate – Activities. Activities. So it's like yeah, they, they're booking not just musicians. They're booking jugglers and magicians, mm-hmm. and they have these budgets. They that just they, have budgets. They, they have, have budgets they have to spend, yeah. and they say, we want to have music on Tuesdays at noon in the cafeteria. Yeah. yeah. That's what I the, picture. I yeah. picture cafeterias. Okay, you three hundred bucks. I'm gonna paint you such a picture. This is a, I'm okay. gonna giggle this whole so time. So Ellie and I had this this run of these shows in sort of the Minneapolis, Fargo, Chicago, Iowa zone, and there's like six of them in six days, and so we've already been kind of like we're like three or four days in this thing, and we go show up this community college um, north. Of, there's your first. Yeah, it's community college north of uh, downtown Minneapolis, probably thirty minutes north, and we get there and. Um, they say, um, okay, so the venue you guys were supposed to play in is closed for renovation, so we've got you guys in this little uh, sort of alcove of the student center, and um, but you have to be pretty quiet because there's a classroom above you, <laughs> and um, you know you, we need you to play an hour and fifteen, and the sound guy will you know get you going. So we go in there, and, and the stage is like maybe three inches off the ground, mm-hmm. and there's a pool table in there, a piano against the wall, important detail. And like six chairs in front of the stage and then a bunch of like leather chairs kind of around. And the room is literally 500 square feet. I mean, it's tiny, tiny yeah. room. And the stage is as that small because it's a drop ceiling. So the, st- the ceiling is about a foot above my head. Oh my and we get there. And there's no monitors. There's just the two little speakers yeah. and this 19-year-old running sound. And so he sets it up and I'm playing and he's like, I got to turn it down a little bit. I'm like, it's, it's, I'm not even sure it's on. He's like, yeah, they just, they just told me it can't really, you know, whatever. So we're sitting there and there's like four or five students in the leather chairs. And then there's four or five students in these chairs that are there to listen, like full on listen. And so Ellie and I get up there and play and it's barely amplified. And we were playing our, our set. And this person from the school comes in and is like, Hey, they can hear you upstairs. Turn it. We're basically now playing completely unplugged to six people. It's like, do you have to hit the strings when you're <laughs> right, strumming? Right, right. Yeah, can you just airplay? <laughs> so one of the six people in the in the crowd is this guy who looks like MacGyver. Okay. Okay. Important. Okay. Yeah. So he's listening. He look, looks a lot older than us. Like he's like, you know, looks like he's in his mid, late 30s. And uh, meanwhile, wh- while we're playing, 20 feet away, a kid walks into the room with piano sheet music, puts it on the piano, no. and starts banging out songs on the piano. In the no room that Ellie and I are playing a concert. Yes, he's like, dun, 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 dun. and I'm like, all of a sudden I just stop playing. And I grab the sound guy and I go, hey, I'm not playing another note until that guy stops playing the piano. And the six people who are listening to the show hear this conversation. I'm just, I just stand there and he's like, the sound guy's like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to stand here. <laughs> So I'm just literally just standing there, and finally he goes over. What sound, is he doing? He's, he's oblivious. He's just playing he's, no, the he's piano player. Just guy. playing the piano. He's just practicing. He's practicing. And so I'm just standing there. I watch the sound guy go over there, and all of a sudden they're having this animated argument. I don't know what they're saying, but they're like, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, the, the, the guy out there said you got to play. Well, you can't. Well, okay. So finally, so, so finally the guy playing the piano just throws his hands up and, uh, you know, throws, drops his hands and just sits there. And so he starts air playing. No. 
the piano as his protest. Like, I'm not going to make noise, but I'm going to play over the, like he's practicing without touching the piano. Yeah. And we finished playing and there's like these two kids right here who are really into it. They're just the two kids that are really, they're like loving the, the show, quote unquote. Yeah. We finish the show and these two kids start talking to Ellie while we're, while we're setting up. And um, she's talking about music and this MacGyver guy comes up to me and he goes, hey, I need to talk to you. I was like, oh, okay. And his name was like, you know, uh, Vladimir or something like that. And he's from like Belarus or somewhere. Yeah. And so he's like, you need to tell me about your record label. And I was like, uh, <laughs> oh what? And meanwhile, this guy's now is back to playing his piano stuff. Of course. Yeah. Um, he's like, you need to tell me about your record label. And I was like, I don't have a record label. Like, How do you get this show? And I was like, I have a booking agent. He goes, yes, he's a booking agent. Need you to introduce me. He's like, I play the I play the accordion polka very good. <laughs> oh my god! I play I play weddings all over the Iowa for the uh, Eastern European communities. They have the oh my god! They have the weddings I play, but I only make two three hundred dollars. I drive two three hours. It's, I, I need to. I, I'm very talented. Would you like to hear my songs? And I was like, um, uh, well, we we kind of got to go. Come, come, come! Grabs me by the shirt, takes me to the piano, kicks the guy off the piano. He's like, excuse me, excuse me, need to need the piano. And he's like, starts playing the piano, and he's like, yes, yeah, so like, uh, like this one, like, I love you, and he plays a little ditty, and he's like, and it's like, oh, or this one, this one right here, you know, day, I one time I saw you, he's like, yes, you can take me to record label? And I was like, no. Oh Meanwhile, no joke, the two kids that Ellie is talking to, <laughs> while she's trying to pack up, one of them has taken one of my harmonicas, without permission, and is marching around the room like he's in the marching band playing the harmonica. And I'm like, oh man, what's and then all of a sudden he goes, Listen, listen. You know, you have heard of Justin Timberlake? No. And I said, Yes, yes, of course. I'm I'm from Memphis and I'm alive, so I've heard of Justin Timberlake. Yeah. And so he says, I am much more talented. Than Justin Timberlake, it is my calling to be a famous musician, and you must help me introduce me to the peoples that can get me the record deal. <laughs> oh my god! And he's gosh. now he's now literally angry with me, and so I finally said, "Man, give me your number. Just give me your number. Give me your email. I'll do what I can." You know, because I'm going. How do I end this? Yeah, I gotta end this. Ellie's looking at me. Open for you at the right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> so. Ellie, we finally we we get our stuff, we get in the car, and Ellie and I just look at each other like, that is the worst two hours of my professional life, and hopefully it will never be exceeded because uh, it was so any, bizarre. Any one of those moments, yeah, would exactly. stand alone. If I'd gotten done with the show and that was already like, you know, let's just say the crowd was small and the thing was overhanging, you couldn't play that, and then the kid starts marching around the Monica. That's, that's a, a story right there. Yeah. The, the the piano uh, player. The piano player. Yeah. Put them together, and you have a Mad Lib of it, nightmare. That's it was, a it decades was, worth. It, it a was a career's a, worth. A career's worth of absurdist yeah. moments. You know. Yeah. Another similar moment from that same era was I was playing this venue in Auburn, and um, this is one of my favorite moments I've had in my young career at the time. I was playing this pretty cool little kind of bar venue. Half the people are paying attention, half don't, half know who I am, half are just there because it's a place, five dollar cover kind of deal. And uh, there's this drunk guy who literally, after every song, the first three songs, is like, "You're not any good." Holy crap! You're not any good. He's just real drunk, and maybe he didn't like my music, which is totally fine, you know. But the owner of the bar literally goes and he hears him do it the third time, 
grabs him by the collar and throws him out the front door. No. Yes. And afterwards, he was like, you are good, and you're welcome to play here anytime you want. No. That is amazing. And I was like, my champion. <laughs> I love you. I love you, man. Well, I had, a show. I had yeah. a show. Me and Words were playing in, um, is it the Sandpiper? What is the place in Charles? Uh, oh, oh, oh. Uh, the, the, yes. On the, the beach. The beach place right in yeah. uh, Mount Pleasant. Yes. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, yeah. we're playing there, and it's kind of, you know, there's like 30 people there. This is early on. This is last year. I mean, sorry, early on. This is last weekend. And we're, <laughs> and we're playing. And it's that nightmare crowd that you guys know where you can't tell where they are. Are they with me? Are they yeah. here? Because are they making fun of me? They, yeah. So <laughs> right. anyway, and we're swapping the shows. So we're playing shows. I'm playing songs. He's playing songs. And one of the most bizarre moments of my whole career that ended up being really beautiful. So I'm playing, and everybody can tell we don't know how to lead this show because we're like half the time they feel like they're listening, half the time they're not. So finally, I'm playing this song, and I see this guy like jump on stage. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I don't know how to, I'm, this never happened to me. <laughs> so I'm kind of starting this song, and I don't, I don't want to stop it because then it's going to make this really awkward. And he's drunk. He kind of stumbles over, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he leans in, and he goes, hey, I want to tell you something, man. And I'm like, oh, boy. He goes, you're killing it, and those are great songs, and you, this sounds awesome. You're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> on stage. <laughs> on stage. In my ear. And he looks at me and just gives me like a big thumbs up. And he's like, all right. Jumps Goes off the back stage. To his seat. And I'm fighting tears. Because this is like the sweetest little moment. <laughs> it was the most bizarre. <laughs> like, what do you do with that? Like, that is, is, so that, is that the wind jammer? Yes. The wind jammer. Okay, I have one wind jammer story. I've only been there one time. Uh, this was when I was promoting my first single. Beautiful Disaster, yep. which is is about body image. It's from the point of view of a 17-year-old girl, you know, all that kind of stuff. So my label sets me up on this radio tour. We're going to the Windjammer yep. to play a radio event. I have no. This is like the second one of the day. You never know where you're going. You have no idea. Literally, this is a real short story. It was a wet T-shirt contest. <laughs> no. Oh, no. At the Windjammer. <laughs> no. They're like the label's like, well, we don't know what what the single is, but like, let's just uh, the some event or whatever, and then he'll play the song, no, and then hold on, hold on, hold on. The irony is wet t-shirt contest. It's, it's as thick as the wet t-shirt. Yeah. So hold on. So they do the the contest. beautiful disaster wet t-shirt contest. John, tell us a little bit about beautiful disaster. All right, we're coming in hot 97X here with John McLaughlin. John, where are you from? April, congratulations on your victory today. Now, John here is going to play oh a song gosh. for you. Yeah, so I remember. Jesse number three was inspired by the song. <laughs> I see some of the contestants are crying their eyes out. Or is that the. T we can't tell if that's just the water or their tears. Yeah, yeah it was like. So did, uh, so did they do the contest and then well, you played? I think so. So I, I remember showing up, like the radio rep is there, Dylan. My guitar player is there with me, and, and I remember realizing what the event is, and I'm like, I, I had like just got married, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to, for so here. many reasons, I'm not going to be here for the, the yeah. wet t-shirt contest. Yeah. So Dylan and I, I remember like we went down, and I, I feel like we were standing underneath the deck, because it was like outside on this deck. Uh -huh. While the wet t-shirt contest is going on, yeah, it's like, and this is Kristen from, you know, and we're just kind of like standing there waiting. Like, I can't be up there. That is hysterical. And then, oh, and then they're like, the guy, Scott or whatever, he's like, okay, uh, they're ready for you. You ready to go on? And I went up and I played Beautiful Disaster. Oh my gosh, John. 
That may be one of the best stories I've ever heard in my life. So I gotta go one more here because it just, <laughs> it's just too, there's, there's too this much is fun. the rest of our day. This right? Is too yeah. much fun. So I'm um, playing the fifth show of my life after UT was at the Florabama Lounge Ooh. in at the Florida Alabama Lounge oh, yeah, on the beach. Famous place. Yeah. And, they, and they have they actually have like a ton of great music. They do a songwriter festival and stuff. But I'm up there and, and the, everybody's real drunk in the bar. And there's these two ladies that are probably in their early 60s wearing like classic early aughts floral capri pants yep, yep. um and they're with their husbands and they're drinking and all of a sudden i'm playing one of my more up-tempo songs and they both these are like these women look wealthy and like you know proper and they get up on stage and start dancing on me and grabbing my no, grabbing my no, butt and stuff no. and they're like trying to be funny and i'm kind of like what is happening you know and my friend who i went down there with a friend he, he's down there and he's like taking all these pictures of this and so i finished the set and the woman walks up to me the one of the ladies she goes hey who is that taking all them pictures? And I said, that's just my friend. She goes, I need that roll of film. I said, excuse me? She goes, I need that roll of film. I'm the DA down in so-and-so county, and I can't oh have those pictures getting out. Oh, my gosh, Drew. <laughs> and I'm like, the DA in, you know, Carroll County, Alabama. Grinding With her Drew floral Holcomb. print. She's like this high-powered lawyer in some small town, grinding on me, grabbing my butt, and wanted to destroy the evidence. Did you give it to her? <laughs> yes. I just, yeah, you did. I should have. I should have been like uh, for five hundred dollars. So transitioning back to dad world, what is the thing that will make you feel like a successful dad? The honesty factor is like a, a big goal of mine that my kids feel like they can be truthful with me when things get like actually hard as they get older, and maybe even after they're out of the house and grown up. Um, but to be able to have a conversation with my kids as adults, where they feel like they can trust me. Mm. I think that will be like a, a certainly like a primary goal of mine and that uh, I don't get in the way. You know, like that's a big one for me, you know, kind of create opportunity, create a foundation that they know that they're loved and they can operate out of that, that they, uh, you know, have a, a, a future ahead of them, that they have, you know, a, an eye towards justice for their neighbors, you know, and for kind of uh, to see the world that God gave them and, and to have a, a gratitude for it. And, and to want to, you know, share that uh, out of generosity and give themselves away, you know, in that way. I think that's that's all. Those are all sort of things for me. But I think if they trust me, no matter what life throws at them, I will feel uh, I will feel like I, I did something right. Hmm. What is the one thing you want your kids to know? There's so many. I mean, the practical side of me is like uh, life's not fair, uh, you know, like. Some of those kind of things. I mean, I think as it relates to me, I think the one thing I want them to know is that I love them no matter what, period. That's great. That's beautiful. Um, and then kind of in conclusion, do you, like, for everybody that's listening to this, moms, dads, you know, whoever's, but especially to the dads, do you have any, like, imparting thoughts? Do you have, was it something you wish somebody told you? Is it something that you've gathered since having your kids and being a dad? Um is there any sort of like thought you're like, this to me is a paramount thought of being a dad? So, Ellie and I have done a lot of stuff at Young Life Camps over the years. And when we were pregnant with Emmy Lou, I was in this conversation with a bunch of the summer staff uh, women, so college women. Uh, was Ellie and I were doing like a little Q&A, guys with guys. I mean, I, like she was talking to the guys, I was talking oh, to wow, the girls, awesome. you know, about kind of dating and all that kind of stuff, relationships, marriage. 
And so I, I turned, I flipped the script on the girls and I said, okay, I'm about to have a daughter. Like, what's the one thing that I should, I should know, you know? And this one girl pipes up and says, tell her that you love her. And I almost laughed. I go, well, yeah, I mean, of course I'm going to tell her that. And this girl teared up and she goes, my dad never did. Holy cow. And it was like a major foot in the mouth moment for sure. But also like, oh, don't forget to tell your kids you love them. Yeah. You know, look them in the eye. and I love you. The older I get, the more all of the sort of theological, philosophical, worldly, all the different ways that people tell you how to be and how to do, they they really mean nothing if you're not operating out of the sort of idea of love. So we have to, like, let go of the fear of our kids. And, you know, obviously love is discipline. Love is fun. Love Like, love has a lot of sort of um, doors, you know, yeah. that we need to, like, a lot of, there's a lot of rooms in the house that we need yeah. to explore and stuff but i think you know when you're when you sort of baseline operation of your life is love and not fear there's a kind of endless possibilities and uh you know the thing i love the most about what my dad did so i don't my kids are five and three who knows if i'm going to be any good at this i don't have like a ton of like here's how to be a dad you know but i can look back and say i think the thing that my parents did really well was they sort of offered me a pretty blank canvas and said you know, if you're honest with people and you work hard and, you know, you're a faithful man as it relates to being a husband, then we're in your corner, whatever you have. You know, we're not going to tell you that you need to be this or need to be that or that you need to vote this way or you need to be a doctor or you need to, you know, uh, live in this neighborhood. You know, we're going to kind of have a blank canvas for your life. But, you know, have integrity, you know, love your family well, be faithful to your wife learn to listen, you know, continue to let God change you over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, I think that that's like having an open handedness with, with your kids is probably a good thing as long as you sort of build the, the right road for them, you know? So it's, that's kind of a, I don't really know what exactly what the right metaphor is for that, but yeah. yeah. That's great. Thank you for being on. So I want to say this in conclusion, you're playing shows. You guys are always out rocking the mic. Uh, if they want to hear music, it's on iTunes. Spotify, yeah, all the things. All the, <laughs> all the things, and all the. Um, what about Twitter and Instagram? What's your yeah, handle there? Yeah, Twitter is just Drew Holcomb. Um, Instagram is Drew Holcomb Music. Uh, yeah, that's the. I'm not, any, on, I'm not on Chapsnat or anything. <laughs> Chapsnat. <laughs> that is somebody's going to start that after this podcast. Hashtag Chapsnat. Like three billion dollars. <laughs> Thank you for being on. Well, thanks for having me. This is fun. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. <laughs> All you wonderful, beautiful, kind people. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you have a second, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and write a review. Unless it's bad. Because that stuff really does matter. And please follow us on socials. You can find us everywhere at Dadville Podcast. Also, you can follow us each at Dave Barnes Music and at John McLaughlin to find out more about our music. Thanks for listening.